I remember as a child myself, I had a wonderful privilege being raised in a Christian home. And uh, there you go, you got it on now. All right. Anyhow, young people are the future of the church. And if they don't start now, they don't learn now, they'll never be able or willing or able to do later. And it's wonderful in order to see that happening in churches. When we were young, my wife and I, we actually was involved in a church, small country church, literally out on a knoll in southeast Kansas. Her dad pastored there, Mount Orem Baptist Church. And every fifth Sunday of every month all year long, the youth did everything to include once in a while preaching if the Lord had laid upon their heart and it got approved. And it was just wonderful to see everything being done by young people and how that many of those young people are still involved in church today as a result of it. I don't know, maybe they heard that I was going to be here tonight. There's just a smattering of people here, but it's not going to change the message. Maybe not the length either, okay? But just think, okay? This year, and this isn't a brag session, this isn't a, but this is a praise session to the Lord. Think back how many years that you've known Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When did you get saved? And how old are you? I got saved in 1969, October of 1969. This month is 50 years that I've had Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord for it. And I know there's some of you in here that probably have longer 62 years, did you say this morning, brother? Wow, wonderful. Not that he's an old person, but that he's known the Lord for that many years of his life. I was seven, and I praise the Lord for all that he kept me from in life. Maybe you don't have that testimony. Maybe you got saved later on in life at an older age, and you're a younger Christian even though you're an older person. Does that make a difference? Shouldn't. You're right, Brother Kent. Shouldn't. Okay? But you know what? I'm seeing in churches all across America, like this morning. Well, I thought he was going to steal my thunder. Praise the Lord for a good Sunday school class that reinforces. Because there's a lot of people that are babes in Christ, even though they have many years that they've known Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord for that wonderful testimony of how that you were able to bring to memory versus to be able to quote to somebody who's misquoting and leading people to astray to hell. Praise the Lord for that. And I'm sure you've had verses that you've memorized all of those years that were probably coming back, right? when you're counseling, discipling these young boys that are coming in, they're young compared to, even though they're not young, they're, what, 20s? But yet they're babes in Christ and they're needing that milk. But then when you had the opportunity to talk to somebody that was versed in the wrong version, it's called a perversion. It's an intentional changing of God's Word. Okay? It's intentionally changed to push their agenda. Otherwise, they would have this right here. They would have the Textus Receptus interpreted for us in the English language so that we would have the pure Word of God. 
If you study that out, and I have not studied Greek, and I have not studied Hebrew, I have not studied Aramaic. I, in fact, I'm poor at English. But you know what? If I study and I listen, like Brother Forsberg this morning was preaching, the best education you get in churches is where? Right here. Good Bible preaching pastor. Somebody who loves you, takes God's Word, and expounds upon it so that you can learn. But you can sit there and you can let it go in one ear and out the other. In the military, we had this thing that we would do, okay? Whenever we did an operation, we had an op order, operations order. And you would give the situation, you would give the, the enemy situation, the friendly situation, you would talk about the scheme of maneuver, you would maneuver, you would talk about how that everything is going to be executed, you would talk about all the support and logistics that's going to be required in order to make this happen, you would talk about the command and the signal, you'd talk about safety, you'd talk about every aspect so everybody knew exactly what was going to happen because you can't move six, eight thousand people without it. But we found out the best thing to do is after you give these op orders out, and some of them you can sit there and you think, oh man, when's this guy going to shut up? But when he says, okay, tell me, what's the situation? Tell me, what's the scheme of maneuver? Tell me, how are we going to do the logistics support for this? You better be paying attention. You know what? We're sitting here in church listening to the preaching of the most important message that you can get out of God's Word, and people are letting it go in one ear out the other. If pastor was to stand at the door and not let you go out the door until you could repeat to him at least the reference that he used for the service that day, how many people would be able to go out the door? Or how many people would recollect, oh, when somebody comes to your door like a Jehovah Witness, a Mormon, any other person, or even an unsaved individual, could you bring back to memory those things which you've heard and you had illustrations and examples of so that you could help them? That was a tough subject this morning, suicide. Wow. Do you know what? It's happening more and more every day. What can we do to help out? What is important for us to know the signs? And we had to do this in the military as well. You had to look and you had to observe. The worst time of the year was in the fall, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Why? Only 10% of your unit can go on vacation at any given time and everybody wants to go home for the holidays. And if you're overseas, like in Afghanistan, Iraq, those places on the battlefield, you just don't get to go home and people get depressed about it. People that had weddings planned and they had to cancel or make changes because of. Do we pay attention enough and do we have enough recollection of so that we can use these verses to go to Psalm 121 and help people that are in need and give to them? I praise the Lord for the opportunity I had to witness to some of my soldiers that were in my unit when I was a lieutenant, as a captain, as a major, as a lieutenant colonel, because they had a need, and where else can I go? I mean, I got to witness to general officers. General Petraeus was my boss in 2010 and 11 over in Afghanistan. I was the basing and facilities director for him for all of the FOBs over there to make sure that they were doing what was required and according to the plan that Congress told. 
And he asked me, he said, Samuel, why are you going to get out? You're going to make a general. I said, sir, I cannot and I will not abide by the politics of the situation. He goes, well, like what? I said, sir, when I was a basic training commander as a captain, I kicked an individual out for admitting they were homosexual. Therefore, it was an act of homosexuality and dismissible. And now, as a colonel, I would have to go and openly promote that kind of thing. I couldn't say nothing against it. And he goes, you're right, Samuel. Signed my papers and I retired. But you know what? I got a witness to him. I got a witness to Afghan people. I got a witness to a lot of individuals all over this world. Praise the Lord for the opportunity. But it's not me and it's not what I am. It's God's word and listening to the sermons that have been preached and the studies that I've been able to do, delighting in the word of God, what it has to say for us so that I can give to them. The song that we just sang, thank you for asking for that. Man, that's great. I got a mansion. You know, most of us in America live in a mansion compared to the rest of the world. And some of us may think we just got a little bitty house that's just meager. I could take you places in this world where they'd be glad to have what you think is meager. It would be a mansion. But when they get to read the Bible and they get to hear about gold and silver and clear water. Man, there's places they don't even know what clear, clean water looks like. Man, I could show you pictures. I did this in a church down in Texas. The pastor's wife goes, I, I don't believe you. I said, I got the picture. I want to see it. And I showed her the picture where they were taking a bath in India. The scum that's on the water. And they're taking a bath. A whole bunch of people. And the guy literally, they call it a lungi over there. They're, they're dressed that they wear. They don't have pants. And he took out his toothbrush and dipped it in the water he is in. And the cow is urinating in the same water and the scum is on the water. And she saw the picture. She goes, Ew. They don't know what clear, clean water is. I've got a mansion on the other side. Praise the Lord for that. You know what the problem is with most Americans? We have everything. All we do is invent something so we have something else to buy. And we have no concept of how to be without. What would it be like to not have? But yet the most important thing, and we're going to look at this here in a little bit, in Philippians chapter number 4. But that verse number 2 of that song, I've got a mansion, while you're turning to Philippians chapter number 4, though often tempted, tormented, and tested, and like a prophet, my a pillow on my stone. How many of you have ever done without a pillow? Huh? I've been in a lot of places. I've slept on the rock. I've slept on the beach. I've slept along the riverbank. I've slept in the jungle. I've slept in the snowstorm. I've slept. It's not been fun everywhere I've been. And though I find here no permanent dwelling, I know he'll give me a mansion of my own. I don't think that I'm poor, deserted, and lonely. I'm not discouraged. Why? I'm heaven bound. They can do whatever they want with this body. Doesn't look like much. Been used and abused. But you know what? One of these days, it's all going to be no more aches and pains. It's going to be what God wants it to be in heaven. And until then, you guys just have to look at it. And I live in it. But it's not this body, it's not me and what I've done. It's what the Lord is doing that we should be sharing with other people. Philippians chapter number 4. 
Go down to verse number 8. Philippians 4, verse number 8. I think this is quite interesting. If you've got a Bible that's like mine, you can see chapter number 3. You know how you can tell if Paul was a Baptist or not? What does the first part of that verse 8 say? Finally. Go back over to chapter number 3. What does the first verse of chapter number 3, verse number 1? Finally. Last point. Now, we're going to end on this. Huh? You did a good job ending this morning, okay? I'm not making fun of you, but I've been in places where you hear people that will go on and on. And finally, and my last point will be, and an hour later, they finally finish because they don't know how to end. That's how you can tell Paul was a Baptist, by the way. Finally. He said it verse number, or chapter 3, now chapter number 4. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, what? Say it real loud. Hmm. And the God of peace shall be with you. The challenge is this. We are blessed in America. We have beyond the rest of the world and most of the world. 300 million people in America out of 7.4 billion people in the world. And most of the people of the world, like 7 billion of them, don't have what we think is meager, what we think is just a lowly, it would be a mansion. We have electricity. We have running water. We have clean this. We have clean, we have restaurants 24 hours a day, every day of the year. A lot of places, they don't even know what it is. They don't get to choose what they want. They have to eat what's available. I, I think it's interesting, okay? And I'm not trying to belittle anybody in the process of doing this, but in America, we've got farmers that absolutely waste more and what's fell on the ground than what some countries would allow. Look back in Ruth. What did Ruth do? Gleaning. What does that mean? That's somebody that physically went out after they got done with the sickle and cutting things off and they harvested the bunches of any grain that fell on the ground. They would literally get down and they would pick up individual grains of. And we have whole ears or standing in the corner and we'll disc them under. And I, like I say, I'm not trying to belittle anybody in the process, but I've been in countries of the world like India, in Africa, where every last kernel of every last consumable thing to eat is harvested because they don't have rice over in India. They can't produce enough rice to feed them themselves. They have to import it. I've seen them out in the fields where they're harvesting the grain. And I've seen the gleaners out there yet that still to this day go out and pick up everything. Now, why is that important, Brother Martin? Well, well, look, let's finish reading the rest of this. It says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly, verse number 10, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein 
ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, there to be, therewith to be content. I know how to both be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I am instructed to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then our favorite verse as a Christian, I can do all things through Christ, but we forget about the fart the part that just came before that. Paul is saying here, I know how to do without, and I've survived. I know how to be low and need, not want, need in my life. And we select from whatever clothes we want to wear, whatever shoes we want to wear, whatever car we want to drive, wherever we want to eat, we've got it all, right? And there's a lot of places that they don't have any clue. So when he says back here in these other verses for us, back clear back to eight, and whatsoever things are true, and you all go through that list, we just take that for granted. That's everybody in America. We have that. Except for the fact that we are no longer honest with each other. We, we don't appreciate what we have and oh by the way if you turn over to second timothy chapter number four it says in the end times people will be what exactly the opposite of right here and that's where we are in america everything is a right it's not a privilege you don't work for something anymore it's a guaranteed right that you have to have it and they're pressing for that Listen to the people that are in Congress right now trying to get votes, and they're trying to tell you, you don't need to work, just vote for me and I'll give it to you. What a fraud. My first trip to India in 2005, I was over there with Brother Banwell, and I said, Brother Banwell, I said, you know one thing I've never seen, and I've done construction in a lot of places. I said, I don't see heavy equipment. I see them pouring concrete. They're out there mixing it on the street, and they've got a bunch of saucer bowls, and they're handing them, Three and four stories high. And a guy up in the top, when they get empty, throws it down to the guy and they fill it and they work from sun up to sundown. Moving concrete, one saucer full at a time. I said, they don't dig ditches with heavy equipment. He said, in America, you feed the people off of welfare. Here we make them work and they appreciate what they get. You know what America needs again? A little dose of how to be abased so that we can start appreciating what we do have. Yeah, there's people that can't, but there's a lot of people that won't. And now I beat up most people in America. How does that apply to us as a Christian? How does that apply to us here? Well, Paul just said in the first few verses, what you have seen in me and heard me say how he acted with his life, what he'd done as an example, discipling people, because this here is written to who? People of Philippi. Okay, He's telling them, he says, what you've seen, what you've heard in me, mark it with these words, do. And you know what's the problem in America now? We have churches, and we have pastors in churches that love their people and they're preaching, and they're trying their best to get across to people, but they don't have anybody that wants to listen out there because they don't want to know how to be abased. They don't want to know how to do without. We abound in everything in America. 
to the point where we have now perverted even the first part of that chapter there, whatsoever things are, and we go through the list. I'm thrilled that my kids had the opportunity to pray in things, as I mentioned last time I preached here. But I'm also appreciative of the fact that they have, and God has blessed, and they know how to be abased. There are some people, trust me, that don't. I had them come into the military. I've had them in churches. In fact, I was down in Georgia, and we were loading one of those containers of Scripture, and we had a bunch of boxes, about a thousand of them that we were putting in that container. And there were some boys that were standing over. I said, guys, do you see anything wrong? Talking to some 20-year-olds. And they go, no. I said, you see everybody that's over here doing the loading? They're all older people. Some of them with bad backs, some of them with bad knees, some of them that just propped their cane up and they're standing there and they're still handed. Do you see anything wrong with that? No. And I said, well, I do. It's called work. Something that I was taught as a young man was if there's somebody older than I am doing a task that I could be doing, I better replace them. Character training. And they said, work? That's what we pay Mexicans to do. And you know, that's a sad state in America when we think we don't work. And if you look at the construction industry, you look at the labor industry across America, there's a need for individuals who are willing to get their hands dirty and put some backbone, elbow grease into, and make something happen rather than sit down and do this or do this. Why do you think that they're taking over and doing all of those tasks? They know how to and they're willing to do while we don't. And that's the same thing in churches. Why do you think that America, who used to be number one in the world for evangelizing the world as well as the United States, why do you think there's so many churches closing now? And why do you think there's no missionaries going to the foreign field? And we've dropped from number one to number 50, if not lower than that now, is because we've got people that have never been taught in churches the things that are right been discipled in the fact that it's okay to get your hands dirty, to memorize, to physically exert, to go out and to debate with individuals so that they can know the truth of the Word of God. You know the best way to witness to somebody? I had the opportunity to live right near an Amish community in Dixon, Missouri for a few years. And as I've said before, we built a log home there, 24 by 48 log home. And a couple of the Amish guys came over because they wanted to learn how. And Jonas and Leroy listened to me, not quote and grill them on Scripture, but they would listen whenever they would ask me a question. Well, what does this mean? How come you're doing this? How come you, how, how come? And I'd say, well, go read it in your German Bible. Well, how do you know? Well, that whole book of the Bible is written to who? And what's the topic? Don't just take out what you want it to say because I could literally make a message out of what I want to say out of context. And that's what they do. But then they come back later. Both of those men got saved. They moved out of the Amish community and are now witnessing two other Amish people. Okay, They come back and they said, the thing that made the difference wasn't the fact that you quoted a scripture like many other people that we had done work for. It's the fact that you got involved, you did, you showed us, you challenged us to go read it in the Bible, and you knew where to go to and why. 
we as disciples, all of us, no matter how old we are in Christ, now are eating meat and we're studying, we're learning, and now we know these things that Paul are saying here and what he said in an example of his life, and now it's our challenge to go and do. You know, some of the hardest things to do is get across to somebody how to suffer or how to do without when they can't relate to that. How many of you know what an outhouse is? Not just by a picture, but by using it. Yeah, okay. How do you explain to somebody an outhouse when they don't have a clue what it is? They've never even utilized one. Now, I remember as an engineer over in Afghanistan, they called me up one, one evening. It's wintertime. And in Ghana, they had decided there at, at the, 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 the FOB, to change the oil in the generator. Well, when they changed the oil in the generator, they shut it down and they fired the other one up and it's running. They got finished. They started it up. Then they drained the oil out of that one to change it in that one, but they forgot to put the oil in the first one and it froze the engine up. Well, they didn't have enough oil on hand to put it back in the second generator and they didn't put the old oil back in to keep it running. And they let the electric go off on the entire fob. 800 individuals. What happens in the wintertime when it gets below freezing to water? Well, they didn't realize that you got to bury lines like you do here down under the frost line so they don't freeze up. Most of them were laid about that deep in the ground and the frost line was about like this. And so what happened to the entire fob with 800 people on it? No water. Oh, the building in which they had bottled water that they give to us all to drink. We set up bottling plants in Afghanistan so we could have good water to drink for the soldiers. Otherwise, we'd get sick off of the water that everybody else drinks. And so what happens to the building that has storage of all that water when it freezes? Water freezes too. How do you get a drink? How do you cook meals for? How do you use a bathroom? Well... I had the opportunity to show to them what it is to go out and dig a pit and to make an outhouse. This was an elaborate outhouse. This wasn't just a normal one-hole privy. This was an eight-seater on one four-by-eight sheet of plywood with no dividers for 800 individuals. And you know what? They were thrilled to have it. Why? It's a basic necessity that every one of us is going to have to at some point in time use the bathroom, right? We put a tent over the top of it. We dug through the, we, we had a jackhammer to get through the frost, okay? Through the frozen ground to get down to where it would hold that stuff. Do you know what? Some of those individuals who were so used to just going into the bathroom, flipping the light on, closing the door, and sitting down on the throne and doing their business and flushing and it's gone, they had to, hmm. You know what? That's us in the churches in America. We have forgotten. We've taken for granted the fact that we know this. We've heard this. We come dressed appropriately. We say the right words. We have the right conduct. We have everything. But yet when we leave out these doors, we don't realize that the rest of the world doesn't have that. They don't have a knowledge of this. They are without. They're abased in the word of God. While we are abounding, my pastor has a famous saying. He says, you can't clean a fish until you catch it. 
You know what? Brookings is a pretty good sized town. SDSU is a pretty good sized college. There's a lot of farms around this area. And you know what? I've been here for a few years now and I've witnessed that some of the conversation and some of the people and what they do, they aren't Christian. If we were doing our job and we were abounding in the word of the Lord like we are and we have now started eating meat, we can do like the testimonies that we've heard of people discipling others, helping them to understand their need first off and then how to grow in the Lord. Once you catch them, then you start cleaning them. You know what? We've lost our love for the fact that God loves every last human being, every soul on this earth. We've lost our love for that. And we think if they don't come through the door, and in fact, I know a pastor that literally would have people come in, and he say, I think you need to go someplace else to services. You don't quite meet the mold. What a shame. But you know what? We need to love them, not their sin. We need to love them enough that we will bring them in, show them with the right example. That's the first thing we need. Some of the guys in the military, they would say to me, hey, Martin, why is it that you don't cuss? Martin, why is it you don't do this? Why is it you don't go here? Why don't you go drinking with us? Why? All those things, and I'm just telling them, that's not for me. I have something that satisfies all my needs. I can abound because I have well, what do you have that... In fact, one of those great times, I was in Afghanistan. And as the engineer, I was in charge of all the construction over there in RC East. And I had a conference room that had several seats in it. And there were several people that realized that I was in the ministry and that I love the Lord. And so we started getting together and we would start singing songs. In fact, I got online and I printed out some sheet music and we had some hymn books that we made. And we would sing and then we would either listen to or I would preach to him on Sunday morning. And I had the chaplain come over to my conference room one day. And Captain Johnson, he goes, Major Martin, you can't do this. This is an unauthorized assembly. What? Yeah, you can't have services here. The chapel is where everybody's supposed to go. And I said, well, you know why they're over here instead of over there? Because I had more people in my conference room than they had going to the chapel. We had over 1,800 on that fob. He looked at me, no. I said, Captain Johnson, tell me about the time that you accepted the Lord as your Savior. He says, what are you talking about? I said, tell me when you asked Jesus to come in your heart and to save you. He says, what are you talking about? I've never done that. I said, why are you a chaplain? How did you get to be a chaplain in the military? He says, well, I went off to college just like you went to engineering school and I wear the cross as I'm a chaplain just like you're an engineer and you wear a castle on your collar to designate what kind of branch you are. I said, it's no wonder you don't have anybody. I said, by the way, let's go talk to the colonel and let's just ask him if this is an authorized assembly or not because the colonel at the time was the four-star general who dropped the Moab that big bomb over there in Afghanistan recently, he was my boss. And he had told me his personal testimony of asking Jesus to come in his heart and save him. And he told me, he says, you can have service anytime you want. We need that here. These people have a desire. They have a need. Suicides were happening. We had people that would come back. You talk about PTSD. You talk about the million-mile stare. They needed God. 
in their life. And I praise the Lord that he actually said, you can have services. And so I said, let's go over there and let's go talk to him. And I said, come on, Kat. And he says, no, no, no. But how sad it is that there are people who are supposed to be, but yet they don't have what it takes. I praise the Lord for the people in here that knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Every one of you now have the example, have the book, have the instructions, have everything that you need, and it's up to you to decide what you're going to take in and then what you're going to give back out to somebody else. You see, that's all that was leading up to I can do all things through Christ with strength and a thing. I've had a wonderful opportunity being in a lot of places in this world, a lot of different conditions in this world. And I've got to see a lot of people that are in need. But the biggest need that they have is that their soul needs to know Jesus Christ. I can give them good water. I can give them nice milk. I can do all of that stuff for them. I can make them, but that's not what they need. What they need is Jesus Christ. What's so wonderful about what I'm doing in the ministry, and I've had the wonderful opportunity to do in my life, is I get to go over and I get to see people and I get to preach in those foreign countries and see the life that has changed and how that they don't know they don't have. They don't know that they're without. They don't even know that what we have in America even exists. It's so beyond their capability to understand. But yet when you show them in the Word of God, and they read the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit works in their heart and convicts them, and they get saved, and then you get to hear the testimony of what the Lord is doing. India, Philippines. Man, I could go to those countries. Brother Yinka one time, after we sent the container of Scripture over there to him, we sent him a container with John and Romans, I think it was 12 years ago now. He told of the people from outlying villages, the churches that he had started by those preacher boys that were surrendered, that would come into the big city and they would get materials to take back home. They would get food to take back home. They would get supplies to take back home. But he'd give them a box or two of those John and Romans. And they'd get back, get ready to get on the bus in order to go back. And you've not seen buses that are crowded in America. You've not seen trains in America that are overloaded. You, you've not seen them to where they're sitting on the top of the thing, on top of the baggage, on top of it. You've not seen them like I have that are holding on the outside of the bus to the rail in between the windows with their arms locked against the wall, riding down the roads to get from there so they don't have to walk. They don't have room. Brother Yinka told me, he says, Brother Martin, he says the people would leave their food and they'd leave their goods and they would take the boxes of Scripture because that's all there was room. And then they would say, those people out there are doing without it, and they have a need for Jesus Christ. They could starve to death, or I could starve to death, but that's not, it's important. Them getting saved so that when they do, they'll be in heaven. What do we do with what we know from God's Word? Are we keeping it to ourselves? We know it, right? Heard testimonies of it. Praise the Lord for it. But what are we doing with it? 
I can do all things through Christ with strength. You know what? We can do without a lot more than what we're doing without. In fact, if we got back to the basics and we started drinking some of the milk and we started realizing that that milk is what they need and we refresh our memory, we could start giving it to them just like Brother West give testimony about, just like some of the others have given testimony about, how that the wonderful opportunity, what a joy, isn't it, brother? To be able to give it to somebody, to tell them, to sit down with them, and to see their desire to learn what's important. I had an individual one time that told me, he says, I just can't read. I can't, I, I, I don't understand. Well, let me help you explain. Let's sit down. What do you not understand and be able to turn in the Bible to where they're saying. I have privates in the military that get in trouble and they say, well, you know, I was reading in my Bible in devotion. I said, really, let's go there. And I have my Bible on my desk. And as a company commander, you know, that's undue command influence to be able to witness to them. So I sent them over to Jag to my friend who went to the same church and he witnessed to them and got them saved, okay? But show them in the Bible. Let them see the truth. Let the Holy Spirit work on their heart and provide the need that they have, the most important need that they have, and then watch. In India, there are two states in the northeast part of India that overwhelmingly produce more than most all of the rest of the country. Why? Back in the 1940s and the 1950s, Americans went over to Nagaland and to the other state there beside it, and they started churches. They converted people. God started blessing them. Their soil became enriched and they can produce more per acre than they can anywhere else in the country. They have more modern conveniences there than anywhere else in the country. We were there and we were talking to a man who is from that area and he's trying to get preacher boys from that area of India to go to other areas of India and do the same thing. You know what they say? I don't want to do without you know what's happening in America? We've got people that are sitting in churches and they're abounding. And they forgot where they came from. They forgot that they were a sinner once and somebody stooped down to them, showed them, explained to them, and they accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that changed your whole life. Your whole perspective of life. Now that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's your responsibility to help them abound. And in the process, you abound as well. There is no greater joy in life than to lead somebody to the Lord. No greater joy in life than to see the change that they have no matter what the conditions they live in. No greater joy in your life than to know there's another soul snatched from hell that we'll get to see in heaven. What a wonderful thing we have. And we have the promise there. And Paul was telling them, think of what Paul went through in his life. I know how to be abased and I know how to bound. I believe it's over in Corinthians. He was saying, I've been beaten. I've been in prison. I've been whipped. I've been stoned. I've been, and he lists all of those things. And yet he said, What? Whatsoever things you've seen and heard of me do. You know what's wrong with America? We don't do anymore. 
we abound off of the grace that the Lord is giving and the blessings the Lord is giving this country. But yet we still have the requirement. We just need to recollect back years ago where we came from and see the sinners and how that they need what we are taking for granted. And you know what? I can do all things through Christ because He is my strength and He gives me guidance. If every head bowed.